Hey everyone, welcome to 2022 Boots and Whiskey Podcast. As always, I am Jim, I am your host. Today we're going to start off with the month of January is going to be Artist Spotlight Month. These artists that are coming up over the next month, I wanted to save for, you know, kind of a special occasion. They all kind of happened around the same time, unexpectedly, the conversations, except for this one. This one has been planned out the way, <laughs> the way it was, um, and it just so happened the other ones fell in line with the idea. Today, to start off our Artist Spotlight month of January in between seasons and to start off and kick off 2022, we have Worcester native, season 17 of The Voice runner-up, Ricky Duran. For those of you that don't know Ricky Duran, you're missing out. For those of you that do know Ricky Duran, you know what a great soul, a great person, a great musician, a great talent this is. The next 40 minutes or so conversation that we have was unbelievable. It was unexpected. <laughs> it was intelligent. It was caring. It was everything you could want in a conversation like this. Um, I don't think I've had a more honest and raw conversation like this. Maybe I have. Maybe I'm just, you know, in a different place with 2022. 2022 is going to be the year of Boots and Whiskey podcast, and what a better way to kick it off than with Ricky Duran. So without further ado, and without me getting all crazy about this, I want to present to you Ricky Duran. I hope you enjoy the conversation. We'll chat with you on the other side. Enjoy. Hey, Ricky, how are you? Good. How you doing? This is Jim, right? This is. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for having me, man. Oh, man, it's a pleasure. You are the first actual guest in episode of 2022, so I, I thank you for that. Nice. I'm honored, man. Thank you. Yeah. You know, like we were talking about earlier, you know, I'm super excited you're here. You're, you are, you know, and nothing against anybody else that's been on the show, but you're the biggest act to date to be on the Boots and Whiskey podcast. Amazing, man. Yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And, and even better for me, you're a local guy. So. Right. You're out of, you're out of Austin. Is that well, actually, I live about, so I live about 15 minutes from where you grew up. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm in uh, Millville, Massachusetts. Where... Gotcha. Right, right. Yeah. So I grew up in Grafton, not far from there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when I was doing some research on you and some, you know, some background info, I was like, oh, no kidding. Like, I knew you were from the Worcester area, right? Yeah. But I, I didn't realize how close you were, which is even more exciting to see a even more local person do the stuff you're doing is absolutely incredible. Right, right. Thank you. You're welcome. So tell us, how did you start this whole musical journey? Uh, you know, it's always been a part of my life. I grew up in a, a musical family. My dad was a musician. My parents moved. They immigrated from Guatemala to, weirdly enough, Quincy, Massachusetts. When they were 21, uh, they got married there. And uh, they had my three older sisters and me being the youngest boy, uh, my dad, you know, always was playing piano, singing, playing guitar. Um, 
And my first instrument I remember sitting down at was was the piano, just kind of playing around the keys there. Um, and I just saw, you know, my dad would entertain parties and him and my uncles would be singing. And it just uh, was instilled in me at a young age that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, it just looked like so much fun to me. And uh, yeah, I picked up the guitar at the age of six. And I think I really got serious about it. Um, after my fourth grade talent show, I, I did a, a cover of Green Day, Time of Your Life, and people really liked it. And that's when I realized, you know, oh, I think I might have something here. And uh, I just kept pushing with that. Uh, I got into blues guitar, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, Albert King, Freddie King, all those guys. Um, and I ended up going to Berklee College of Music. It was the only school, uh, the only college I, I actually applied to. If I wasn't going to get in there, I was actually thinking about joining uh, the military, weirdly enough. Um, I'm really glad that I got into Berkeley. And uh, I graduated in 2011 with a music business degree. And, you know, that time between 2011 and basically up until my time on The Voice a couple years ago, I was just a professional musician that would play at local you know, venues, bars, uh, local parties, weddings, whatever it was. Um, yeah, and then I just, you know, I moved to Austin, Texas uh, to try to pursue, you know, music a little further to be in a music city. I thought that that's what I really needed to to do, surround myself with, uh, you know, the best of the best. And that's when the, the voice opportunity came my way. Yeah, that, and that that's incredible. So what made you decide to go to Austin rather than Nashville? So, you know, I had been here. I've traveled here before. Uh with a ex-girlfriend who was a tra uh, travel nurse. So we spent a few months here. And in that just few months, I made a ton of friends and uh, I was, I became a part of, you know, the, the live music scene out here. And it was so accepting. And that's really what lured me in because I visited Nashville and I love Nashville. It's, it's a very professional musical city, uh, but I didn't have the same, I didn't feel the same camaraderie as I as I do in Austin, so that's what really intrigued me about about this city. Yeah, you know that's really fascinating, especially for like somebody like me and talking mm. to all of these artists. Where, you know, they're they ended up in Nashville, and I always ask, well, why Nashville and why not, you know, Austin? And mm. you know, it, it's it's interesting to hear your take on it because their their take about Nashville is the same, but you know, in a different in a mm -hmm. different realm, right? So it's it's super fascinating to hear that. Um, coming from coming from somebody like you that is, you know, really um, flourished, you know, with mm -hmm. your career, even being out of, you know, the quote unquote, not commercialized music city. Right. 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 Yeah. I will say that I think that I another thing that intrigued me about Austin was I think that it has a lot of room to grow yeah. uh, musically. And, and, and it's actually growing in so many different ways. We had Tesla move out here. Joe Rogan's living out here. Uh, a lot of comedians moved out here and there's uh, a handful of artists that are blowing up from the city, such as the Black Pumas, Gary Clark Jr., uh, Nane, all these bands that are coming up um, that, you know, I thought that I could be uh, one of those guys, you know, one of the bigger dogs in, in Austin. Well, you know, not for nothing. You, you really are. Right. I mean, Thank forget you. about, you know. I, I guess you can't forget about your time on The Voice, which mm -hmm. I want to get to next. Mm -hmm. um, how did you get into that? How Did you do 
did you try out for other shows, whether it be Idol or anything else, or was The Voice what you wanted to do? So, weirdly enough, I, I auditioned for The Voice in 2012, and uh, that was the only other time I auditioned for any other show, um, and I didn't get any chairs. I got to the blind audition, which the, you don't get to see all the, the all that goes into making it to that point, but it's months of preparation. Yeah. Before you get there, you're in LA for a month. So it's it's time consuming and it's you're emotionally invested. So when I didn't get that chair turn, uh, I was pretty devastated. And I was like, that's the last time I'm, you know, spending this much time on something like this. Uh, and then, you know, I was in Austin and I played a, a few shows. I wasn't looking for the opportunity. And uh, one of the guys who hired me for a, a private venue told me that his friend was a producer on the show and she was doing private auditions. So that would mean that I'd, I wouldn't have to go and stand in a huge line that you, you know, you get a call time, you go in, that's it. Uh, so yeah. I did that. And I don't know what, I can't explain, I t try to tell everyone this, but the, since the first day I walked in there, I was like, this feels right. This feels good. So I went with it and uh, it kind of fell in my lap. Now, let me ask you, I was watching, you know, a lot of your clips and stuff on YouTube. And when you, when you were on The Voice living in this area, like, that's all everybody talked about, right? And rightfully so. Mm. Um, mm. What changed from that first time in 2012 to season 17 when you got on stage and within seconds, it seemed like, well, you know, with the edits, um, everybody turned their chair pretty much. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> that was shocking to me. It was, it was literal seconds and I was kind of stunned. Um, the difference, I would say, was that so first off, they let me sing a song that I went in singing from the get-go, okay. uh, as opposed to giving me a different song that I didn't really, uh, not that I didn't vibe with. Uh, the first song they gave me was Bill Withers' Lean On Me, which is a great song, but I wasn't emotionally invested in that song. So I feel like my uh, performance wasn't really all it could have been. Um, but more than that, I just grew as a person, as an individual, and especially as, as a musician on top of that, my voice definitely matured a lot more, you know, from the age of, of 20 to, to where I am now. It's just uh, leaps and bounds from where I, I was, I think. Um, another thing is just my life experience uh, up until then, you know, part of the show is interviewing and, um, you know, your willingness to share your story and, uh, you know, if your story is interesting and I think that they were intrigued by my story and I was open with, uh, with them about, you know, sharing what has happened in my life. Yeah. And, and your story is really remarkable and incredible. And, um, you know, for, I don't know if you want to get into it here, but if, for those of you that don't know Ricky's story, like mm -hmm. it's out there, you can, you can find it. Um, for sure. Yeah. I mean, feel free to ask me anything, man. Uh, uh we can go wherever. <laughs> Well, that, that's great to know because I know some people are, you know, shy away from things and don't want to obviously talk about some things, which is all right, too. Um, so for those for those of us that don't know, well, not us, but for those of for those that are listening that don't know, what was the story that you you gave for The Voice and that made really the nation fall in love with you? So, uh, you know, I've had a, a certain, you know, a few kind of uh instances in my life that were uh, i guess you could say 
somewhat, there, there were just tough times, right? So uh, sure. I didn't know. I, I just, you know, they asked me you a lot of questions and uh, I wasn't sure what they were going to air because I told them a handful of things of my life. But I think what they went for on the first episode was that I had recently lost my mother to breast cancer that earlier that year. Um, and it was, you know, I, I know a lot of people go through similar things like that. I think most people have know somebody who's dealt with cancer or, you know, um, so I think that sharing my story definitely connected me with, with a ton of people. Um, but more than that, I, I also lost my father to suicide in 2012. Um, so, you know, really my blonde audition, it felt like it, it, it felt like, um, I had to, I was doing it for my parents and because of all the interviews, I felt that too. So it was a very powerful uh, blonde edition, you know. Now, did you tell them this story in a, you know, uh, what the hell, let's see what happens? Or did you have any idea they were going to, you know, put everything out there? Would, would you have been so open if you knew what the result was going to be? So here's the thing. In 2012, when I auditioned, my dad had you know, already passed from suicide. And I was real torn up about it. And I was like, I'm not saying anything about this. Uh, some of my friends don't even know what's going on. So I'm not going to share this with the world. And I was almost, I was pretty angry. You know, I didn't want to share that. Um, but after years growing up, sharing my story, I had done uh, benefits for suicide prevention, you know, prior to the show. Um, I was pretty much an open book and, and I'm happy that I was, I've, I've connected with a ton of people, a lot of fans that have shared uh, their stories with me and just told me that, you know, by sharing my story, it helped them through a hard time. And, you know, this record that I have coming out February 1st, space and time, um, it has, you know, a lot of these life stories written right there in the lyrics of the songs. So, you know, I, I'm right now, my, at this time in my life, I'm all about, just sharing who I am. You know what I mean? I, I don't, I don't want to be uh, blocking off any, any part of who I am to my fans. Right. And you know, I, I say to everybody, you know, and this is why I do this show is to, to give you, give the artist this, you know, jumping off point where they can tell their story so that the fans can, you know, for me, this is how I see it, where the fans can see and hear the story is more or less behind the music. So they mm -hmm. understand where these songs are coming from. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have, I have some access to, to things being in this, this realm. And I want to talk about space and time because it is coming out in the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how much you can talk about it because it's not out yet, but out of the track listing that I have access to, you have some co-writers on this album that are some that are pretty incredible. Can you talk about that yet, or do we need yeah, to? Hold yeah, that, you know, hold we can. Close? I mean, I'm just gonna do the, make an executive decision and say sure. I don't think I've spoken about this before, but um, I have a, a co-write on this record. It's actually gonna be the first track uh, that I'm very excited about because. This dude has written for huge names um, and he actually co-wrote a song that I uh, recorded on The Voice called A Woman Like Her that was probably my biggest song on the show that, that hit number one on the iTunes charts. Um, 
but yeah, it, we, we did a co-write with Eric Pasley uh, via Zoom months ago, and uh, we met up in Nashville and recorded this tune, and I absolutely love it. And I wasn't, you know, it, it, I had in mind starting with a different song until I heard this recording when we were finished, and I was like, this has to be the one that we push. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, I have another co-write with my bass player from Austin, Texas, uh, that I'm super pumped about. It's it's kind of a different genre. It's kind of almost uh, old old time, you know, Leon Bridges soul kind of thing. Uh, and his name's Dakota Kobe. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one thing about this record that I love that I'm I'm not sure people are gonna uh, how people are gonna interpret, but it's definitely a genre bending record. Like you're not gonna take this record and say, oh, this is soul country. This is like yep. blues. This is rock. It has hints of of a whole slew of of genres um and it's funny because i've i've kind of struggled with a lot of people try to especially in the industry and the, and the record labels they try to kind of pigeonhole me like how are we gonna market you if you're not just one thing you're not like hip-hop you're not r&b what are you and uh to, i just say you know i'm a songwriter and i write the song for what i think how i think the song should should be recorded um and that's what I've been doing. So I hope people enjoy it. Yeah, you know, looking at this list of songs, out of out of the nine that are going to be on, you are a writer on eight eight of them. You know, that that's mm-hmm. incredible. And mm-hmm. out of those eight, you you're the single writer on what, one, two, three, four, six of them? Yes. Like that's incredible. That's incredible. You know, whenever somebody asks me about you, I always you know, because and to touch on what you were saying about your genre, you know, the way you play guitar, the way you write songs and the way you sing, it's almost like you're the, you're our generation's prince. <laughs> wow, man. I, I mean, I'll take yeah. that. Shoot. <laughs> and I, but I, I feel that because I'm, I'm a huge prince guy, right? Always have been, always probably will be. And like, I hear you and the way you play and the way you write. And it's like, damn, like, it's almost like he's back from the dead, you know? And <laughs> well, thank like, you. Yeah, no problem. I, 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 I mean love that. Prince, I really mean uh, that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think anybody that loves music and, you know, loves that sort of, this sort of thing, you know, if they take the time to indulge you and, you know, all that I think they'll see that too I mean at least I hope so because I, to me it's clear as day thank you very much I've had that reference a few times and uh I absolutely love it because you know Prince is one of my all-time favorite not just musicians but artists as a whole yeah I mean and, um, and you do it all you you can play piano you you know it's I you know I'm a big Beatles guy right mm-hmm. and I think you know where I'm going with this mm-hmm. um I hate, I absolutely despise when people cover Beatles tunes because mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm arrogant. I'm a snob with it where I think, you know, the, those four guys and that's it. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's very true. It's tough to, to, to cover a Beatles song and do it justice. I think it's only been done a, a couple of times. And one of them I can, I can say for sure is probably Joe Cocker, uh, help for my friends. I, I love that recording. See, I was giving you the credit because I haven't, other than Joe Cocker, right? I haven't heard somebody cover the Beatles as well as you have. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, I did. You're uh, welcome. Let it be. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it's great. Like it's it it almost you've made it your own, but keep kept it so original that you know if anybody had never heard it, you know, before they would say, "Huh, this is a great Ricky song." Wow. Thank you. Yeah, I was really psyched that they uh, about the performance. I think that really um, that was really amazing that they let me play the piano because, you know, sometimes they don't they don't let the, the artists do exactly what they want on the stage. But I was like, hey, guys, if I can play the piano and then come up here and solo, like, I think that would be pretty unique. And yeah. they, they let me go with it. So uh, that was probably my favorite performance on the show. Yeah, and it was it was fantastic. It really was. No, I want to jump back to the to the upcoming album a little sure. bit. How long did it take you to write, record? How long were these songs out in the universe before you decided to put them all together and put this out? So this is why I think this record is going to be probably the most unique record that I might ever produce because I've these songs. Some of them have been. Uh, sitting there for the last 10 years uh you know it's some that i just finished that that i had you know basically almost finished 10 years ago and i just kind of touched up on it a little bit um but i think that's why all the songs kind of stand alone um they're basically a culmination of you know my life in the past 10 plus years uh some of them were written pretty recently the last two years uh but you know recording the recording process I, I guess i've been recording since since i stepped off the show 20 yeah 2020 i started here at arlen studios in austin uh so yeah it, it's been a long time coming and i i can't wait to bring these songs to life yeah yeah and i i honestly you know i don't I wasn't sent the songs, but I was sent all the information about the songs and I'm super excited to hear all of it. Like I can't, I can't wait. And when it comes out, I know for our purposes at the show, we're going to blast it out there. So everybody goes and gets it because I can only anticipate that it's going to be absolutely incredible. Amazing. Thank you so much. Sure. Now I want to jump back a little bit um, and talk about your growing up in this area and how that shaped you musically and how it got you to be where you are. Mm -hmm. Okay. So talk to us a little bit about that, you know, growing up in this area, you know, yeah. as you and I both know, there's, there's not much. No, there's you know? not all that much. Uh, so I, you know, like I said, my dad was my first influence. Now he was a big Beatles fan, big Cat Stevens, big James Taylor, Santana, uh, kind of like, I guess, great songs, you know, from, from the sixties, seventies, and, uh, you know, so that was a huge influence on me, my first influence. Then I kind of discovered through, you know, taking guitar lessons with my teacher, Jimi Hendrix, Steve Ray Vaughan. But, you know, being from or in Grafton, really, there wasn't too, there weren't too many musicians that I really linked up with all that much. I was one of the only uh, serious you know, people that was serious about music in, in my school. Um, so, you know, I kind of would just retreat to my room after school and just delve and dive into these records and listen to them over and over until I, I you know, got the guitar parts, got the vocal parts, whatever it was. Um, but I think that's why I became so intrigued with 
the kind of music that I did. I, I And part of the reason that I moved to Austin was because I was so intrigued by the artists that came out of here. And, you know, one of my biggest uh, influences, Steve Ray Vaughan, I was absolutely enamored by him. I would read books and I would dream about coming down to Austin and playing at the famous Antones and Continental Club, both of which I've, I've performed at, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, I'm really proud of. Um, but yeah, growing up in, in Worcester in a small town, uh, it, I think it kind of helped me kind of become a little bit of everything. Like you said, like I play piano, guitar, and I, I write my own music. And, and I think that I kind of was almost forced to because, I mean, when I was growing up, there wasn't too much, there wasn't so many musicians to, to collab with in my town anyway. Right. So, you know, that, that's what it was like for me at, growing up, I think. So when you were, you know, in high school or getting out of high school, were you playing in anywhere around here, anywhere in Worcester, anywhere in Boston, anywhere that, you know, would, would ring bells for people? Um, let's see. I think I played the post office pub. Uh, nice. Yeah, in Grafton. And I was doing a lot of private, like, graduation parties. Um, not until after I graduated college, when I became, you know, I turned 21, uh, I started playing at all these bars in, in the Worcester area, like the Banner, uh, Mezze, uh, Whiskey on Water, Funky Murphy's, Michael's Cigar Bar. You, you can literally any bar in, in Worcester pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're all, we're all the locals around here now. Exactly. <laughs> now, when you're playing these gigs, was it, how, what was the turnout like? You know, it, it was funny. Right after college, it was slammed because I, basically just all my friends wanted to reunite uh, from town, but then it kind of died out. And uh, that's when it got exhausting for me. When I was like, I'm just playing cover songs for three hours. And most of the time, these people could, although they might enjoy it, I kind of felt underappreciated at times. And I really, it was really hitting me hard. I need, I knew I needed to get to a place where I can, I'm respected as an artist and as my own original artist. Um, so I think that's what really prompted me to, to decide to move to Music City. That's, that's, that's awesome. You know, and it's, it's sometimes it takes those moments to mm -hmm. make that decision, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm sick of doing the same old thing. Let's spice it up and really make this a career. Yeah, I can remember times when I was lugging around uh, equipment through the snow in like December, January, and you know, coming in with like soggy shoes from from stepping and just being like, "Wow, what am I doing?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, in Austin, you don't have to worry about that too much, which is. It at least, nice. yeah, at least the weather over here is pretty, is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Now, since you're, you know, speaking of the live show, because I'm a big live music person, you know, I don't think mm -hmm. you can really tell somebody's talent until you have seen them live. Mm -hmm. um, since you've been off of The Voice, and, you know, really the world has probably been at your feet um, for a lot of things, where are some places you've played that were, you know, always a dream that you've been able to play, you know, outside of Austin, you've touched on that, um, that yeah. you can't, that you can't still believe you actually got to play these places. 
Uh, one of them would definitely be Hanover Theater that I just recently played in October, I believe, in Worcester. And uh, I mean, they've had so many amazing acts in there. John Legend performed there. Um, it's such an amazing theater. And I, I, it's still, you know, it's still stunning to me that I had such an awesome audience, you know, 2000 people in there that came to see me, you know, and it was, it was basically, I put the show on. So it was, I was headlining and I had my buddy Sam James come in and play some tunes acoustic before. Uh, that was amazing. I played at, let's see, there was a theater, Crockett Theater that I just recently played at in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. Uh, it was built in the 1950s. Uh, amazing theater. I'm, I'm pumped about that. I played at Old Red in, in Nashville. That's, you know, Blake Shelton's bar. Uh, and upcoming, I got this show I'm excited for in L.A. at um, Hotel Cafe. And that's a pretty awesome spot. They've had, you know, huge acts there. John Mayer's frequented there. Um, and it's kind of more of a singer-songwriter type place. But, but yeah, the voice, you know, allowed me to, to, to broaden my horizons and really get into venues that I really never could have before then. Yeah. No, yeah. Now, when you get off the voice... Does was everybody calling at that point, or did you still have to work at it? Uh, man, I, I couldn't even. I was just thinking about this earlier today. Uh, I was trying to write something on Twitter about about it, um, and it was basically something like, you know, w when I stepped off the Voice, I was getting hounded, getting calls, getting texts from God knows who every minute of the day to the point where my head was spinning. I was like, who is this person? Is this legit? And I almost felt like a deer in headlights, like which direction, who do I listen to? Who's legit? And I actually made a couple wrong decisions with, with uh, going a certain direction uh, with a certain, you know, certain companies and, and wasting a lot of time with a lot of talkers that weren't movers. Uh, yeah. It's. I'm telling you, it's really tough when you have something that people want to be a part of. Um, people, a lot of people will say things that that you just want to hear uh, and not really deliver. So that's that was definitely a challenge, and it still kind of is to this day. But I've kept my team very, very short and very close, and now I'm. I think I have a little tougher skin, and and I'm just uh, more intelligent about who I let into my circle. Yeah, you know, and that's unfortunately or fortunately, right? That's something you just have to do with the sort of, you know, fame and celebrity that you have reached over the last few years. Yeah, and it's it's such a weird thing. It's just like new to me. And for those who have met me, I'm, I'm not the typical, I'm just a normal guy. Like I, I will talk to anybody and be real with, with anyone. So it is tough for me to kind of put a, a shield over over myself sometimes yeah yeah oh i'm sure i'm sure especially you know growing up in this area where you don't have that you really don't have that option no. <laughs> you know sometimes mm -mm. um now i want to talk about something you have coming up or you had coming up that has been pushed back um you were supposed to play at the end of the month at the palladium in worcester with liam coleman and that has now been pushed back because of this variant that's spreading like wildfire mm -hmm. um but that has now changed to off the rails. Yes, we moved it to off the rails in uh, it's May seventh. Um, yeah. I was bummed about that. You know, I, I've always uh, I grew up right around 
you know, the corner from the Palladium also. And I've seen uh, certain acts there. So it's a pretty iconic place. But, um, yeah, just given with all that's going on uh, and the fear of, of the variant and, and what's happening, I think it was the, the right call to make. They were canceling shows there in the past few weeks. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to, to playing in May. But it's going to be the new off-the-rails venue. Uh, that they're still building right now, actually. And I'll be one of the first to perform there. Uh, so it should be awesome. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it, too. You know, I've been in contact with the Off the Rails folks and, you know, been doing stuff with them. So I will be at that show. Awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing you live and in person, finally. And um, your that's your cool. opener, Liam Coleman, is is not somebody that's disappointing, that's for sure. Yeah, man. I, you know, I know him weirdly enough through a Blake Shelton connection. He's, oh, wow. uh, yeah, he's, he's being managed by Blake Shelton's old manager, uh, Peter Strickland, who, you know, I've spoken with a handful of times. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to, to hearing Liam. I've never heard him live. Uh, yeah. but I've talked to him. He's a really nice guy and he's, he's really excited to, to play the show with me. Yeah. Now, are you doing a full band show that night or is it just? Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm flying in my band from from Austin. Awesome. That's incredible. I I really cannot wait for this show. It's it's been on on the radar of shows I can't wait for in 2022. And then when I saw you come out with it last, what was it last week? I was like, no, I got to wait. But you know what? (laughs) All good things come to those who wait. Right. 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 I'm excited. Yeah. Um, So I got a few more things for you before um, before I. I let you go and go on with your day. But before I do that, I can't thank you enough again for being a part of the show and being on and telling us your story. It's been really great learning about you over the last half an hour or so. Of course. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me on Boots and Whiskey. Absolutely. So what do you got going on? What do you got going on? That's uh, that's awful English. What do you have? (laughs) What do you have going on in 2022 other than this album release, is there anything else on the radar or is this album release going to get you through 22 beginning of 23? What is, what is the plan? I'm, I'm always making music. I'm constantly writing and recording. I was just in Nashville for a couple of shows, but also to uh, record a couple of tracks that I was excited about. Um, I have, you know, some co-writes, uh, and some a lot of other new music that I want to release in uh, in this year. So after after this album, um, there's a lot of things on my mind. I don't know exactly what's going to come first. Yeah. But uh, I really, <laughs> my PR company's gonna be like, "Why do you talk about this?" I <laughs> I really want to do a rock EP, like only okay like, rock EP. But I also kind of want to do an R and B. EP. So I almost want to be like a, a double EP, one side rock and one side more R and B. Well, that would that would that would be fantastic. That would, and for you, that would be super interesting because you have you really have all of those sounds already. Right. And I I've written songs that I'm like, wait, this is like totally rock. Oh, this is definitely R and B. So I figure it might be cool to kind of flip the script and 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 try that out. Now that I'm kind of just talking here. It's still in the creative process, but for sure, you know, what, what people can expect in 2022 is after this album is released, there will definitely be at least a handful of singles 
uh, come, you know, summertime. What about a tour? Is there going to be a, a tour? Yes. So we're, we're working on that right now. Uh, we have a couple dates lined up, uh, obviously here in Austin, one in LA, uh, you know, in May I'll be in Worcester. We're looking into Florida, uh, definitely Tennessee again. So there's definitely going to be a tour. It's not set in stone, but for sure you can catch me at, uh, most likely every, every prime city in the States. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you know, for everybody that's listening, if you, if Ricky comes close to you or within, you know, a couple of hours of a commute, just go, you won't be disappointed. Um, You're welcome. Now, my last few things I love to ask because we are the boots and whiskey podcast. Are you a whiskey drinker? Oh yeah, for sure. What, what do you like? So I'm not a very uh, picky drinker as of right now, but uh, you know, I frequent, let's see, Jack and Coke and Crown, Crown Royal, but um, Blake Shelton gifted me a, a bourbon whiskey. I'm holding it right here. Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey called Forged Oak. And uh, I've heard of that. Yeah, it is incredible. It's probably my, the, you know, my favorite whiskey I've ever tried. Awesome. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to see if I can get a, get a hold of that some way because I'm always looking for, for new stuff. You know, I have, I have some great contacts in the whiskey world that have sent me a bunch of stuff because we're going to start doing whiskey reviews. For hey, send, send them my way. I'm always looking forward to trying new whiskeys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me to hear people's takes, you know, because it's, you know, obviously you get the Jacks of the world and the Woodford Reserves and, mm-hmm. you know, all of these, you know, quote unquote, you know, easy, easy go-to ones, right? Mm-hmm. But I've, I've found so many other ones that are just as good, if not better than the, the staples. So it's, it's awesome. To What's, see. Uh, what are a couple of that, what are your go-tos? So I'm a Jack guy um, <laughs> because for me, Jack is always consistent. You know, mm-hmm. it's consistently consistent because of the way it's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like Buffalo Trace. Everything that comes out of them is is pretty good. Um, I have a bottle of Yellowstone that is – I have a bottle that hasn't been opened, and I've had bottles that have been opened. Um, so I really like them. Um, I'll have to try that. I've never tried yeah. Yellowstone before. Yeah, Yellowstone. From what I've had, is good. There's a there's a few distilleries actually around here. Um, Bully Boy is out of Boston. They're actually mm. really good. Um, and then I have one that was sent to me by Three Chords. Um, I haven't tried yet, but I'm really looking forward to trying that because they they actually sent me their whole line, and so I'm I'm super psyched to check that out. I'll send you a picture of this forged oak when we get off off the okay. the line here. You got to try it out. It's really great. Awesome, awesome. Now, now, Ricky, do you do you wear boots? Do you wear cowboy boots? I don't. You know, that's one thing. So I wear you know all the hats, not not cowboy hats, but uh, yeah. I don't know what you'd call them down here in Austin. Kind of like a, a kind of top hat kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, I I call it the Nico Moon hat. The Nico Moon hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's... You know, because he's kind of made that style that you wear, you know, you know, true famous, I guess, because he's, you know, he's making the, the rounds in the big way, you know. But, true, very true. 
but yeah, no, I haven't gotten into the cowboy boots, although all my friends here swear by them, they wear them, and they, they rock them. I just don't think I got, I don't think I can go that country yet. I've only been here a few years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got a pair of boots, and you know, living around here, there's nothing country about, you know, central Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they're super comfortable and I, I love mine. I wear mine with my suit to work every day. You know, it's, it, it, they're all, they're all around. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, uh, a lot of my friends up North have them cause they got the, uh, the country fest that comes through every, yeah. every year, but it's nice to know you actually rock them every day. You know, you're the real I, deal. I, 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 well, I wouldn't say I'm the real deal, but, you know, I don't know if I could, I could shovel horse shit or anything like that, but I could definitely wear them and make them look all right. <laughs> um, so, you know, before we get on, before I, you know, you get on with your day and stuff, is there anything else you want to let us know about how to contact you, how to reach you, how to follow sure. you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, if you if you want to check out my music, please go to IamRickyDuran.com. I'm on all social media. I, uh, I'm big on Instagram, at Ricky Duran. Uh, also at IamRickyDuran on Facebook. Uh, please check out all my music videos on YouTube. And stay tuned for uh, my album coming out February 1st, Space and Time. Go pre-order that on Spotify, on iTunes. Uh, all the links are available at my website. So thank you very much, and uh, I appreciate you. Yeah. And well, Ricky, thank you so much for your time. It's, you know, it doesn't go unnoticed. I know you're busy and I, I really thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to, to chat and tell, tell me and everybody else about you and where you've come from and what you're doing. It's, it's a real pleasure. Of course, it's been great. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. You're welcome, Ricky. And I look forward to seeing you now in May when you're, when you're back home. Hey, yeah, man. Can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll be in touch and anything that comes up, you know, feel free to shoot me a text or whatever and, and we'll get on it for you. For sure, man. Great talking to you. Yeah, good talking to you. Have Enjoy the rest of your day, buddy. Thanks. You too. Thanks. Bye. Well, there you have it, everyone. My conversation with Ricky Duran. Again, Ricky, thank you so much for being on the show. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. It's great to see a local person doing great, great things in music and in life and everything else that goes with it. So thank you for being the first guest of 22. And what a hell of a way to kick off 2022 than with you, Ricky. Thank you again. For those of you that are curious on what's happening in the world of Boots and Whiskey, over the next couple of weeks, I will have artist spotlights, special editions, as I like to call them until February 1st, where we're going to kick off season two. Season two's guest, guests are fantastic. You're not going to want to sleep on season two. I will keep you updated on schedules and all that, as always. I believe every episode going forward from today is going to be released on Tuesdays. Tuesdays is going to be release day. As of right now, things may change if they do. I'll let you know. But Tuesdays is going to be release day. And I hope you continue to follow along and listen. And this season, unless something catastrophic happens, I will not bombard you with this year. I will not bombard you with show after show after show after show. Everything will be once a week. I promise. Um, that's going to actually be a little... 
at the end of January, you're going to get two two releases. But don't tell anybody before season two starts. But in season two, once a week, one episode a week for the foreseeable future. We're also going to be doing those whiskey reviews as promised. Um, we're going to start. I'm not, you know, I'm not telling you who we're going to start with. I do believe we're going to have a special guest and a very good friend of mine who also does a YouTube show or used to. Um, so stay tuned for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Trust me on that one. And everything else, you know, I can't thank you all enough for being a part of the show. Rowdy Roads, Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company, American Grit and Grace. Thank you, the three of you, so much for everything. So until next week, I, you know, I hope your New Year's and your holidays went well. Next week, I will have a, a new episode for you on Tuesday. Until then, enjoy this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Enjoy your weekend. Cheers, everyone. Keep your boots on the ground, that whiskey in the glass. We'll talk soon. Good night.